the Sports Loft Podcast in association with our legal partners, Northridge LLP, and our new talent partner, SRI. Welcome to the family. Today, we've got a great podcast lined up for you on the use of data and technology in elite athlete and team management. And we have two heavyweights of the space uh, as our guests. That's Jesus Perez and Tal Brown. Jesus is the former assistant manager of Tottenham Hotspur, who was part of Mauricio Pochettino's management team, and that team took Tottenham to a second-place finish in the Premier League and the Champions League final in 2019, so clearly they were doing something, right? And Tal is the founder and CEO of Sportsloft members Zone 7, who are leading in the use of AI to deliver actionable intelligence and results in elite athlete performance. And we're going to hear some very interesting stories of how Zone 7 have performed and been able to help teams uh, make great choices in terms of managing their athletes. But first, we're going to bring in our esteemed Sportsloft founder and leader, Charlie Greenwood, to talk to us a little bit about, about why Zone 7 was interesting to him and why they're sports loft members so charlie welcome to your own podcast once again <laughs> cheers yanni uh, great to be here and uh, always nice to be esteemed <laughs> well it's uh, i think it's the only way that we could possibly describe you given that you're uh, paying our bills or not as the case may be so charlie tell us, um zone seven when did you meet them and uh, how did it come about them joining sports loft as a member sure so I first met uh, Tal and the team at Zone 7 on a trip to Tel Aviv, where I was out seeing a, a number of different um, uh, startups at the time. Um, I'd already heard very good things about them, uh, generally, and specifically about their case study with Getafe in La Liga, mm -hmm. which I subsequently learned was pretty well off the scale. Um, they joined Sportsloft earlier this year, um, and during that time, we've really seen how both the product has improved as a result of getting more data to work with from working with more teams, um, but also how the team and Tal especially have got better at explaining what they do and how they do it. Mm. Um, for example, they've got better at explaining how their algorithms are complement to coaches and help the com and helps the coaches make more informed decisions. So not trying to replace the coach, but just help the coach be better. Um, another thing is like rather than talking about preventing injury, they're talking about managing risk, which I think is a really important distinction um, that's there as well. I also think that the Zone 7 are part of a, a very important trend about helping teams maximize the investment they're making in their players, which are obviously, in many cases, their most valuable assets. Obviously, it's no good having those valuable assets injured all the time. Um, and I think in a time when Clubs are going to be under increasing financial pressure, which is something that we're hearing about in the news all the time at the mm -hmm. moment. Getting the most out of their players is going to be vital. If you're playing a, paying a player, you know, 30, 40, 50 grand a week, you don't want them sat on their backsides in the treatment room. You want them playing. Um, and, you know, you don't want to be wasting that money. So I think that's a very important thing that we're going to see more and more of. And Zone 7 is very much at the forefront of some of that thinking. Yeah. And, you know, uh, in the conversation with Jesus and Tal, they both mentioned that and how important it is to actually focus on not just building an excellent squad, but uh, building a team around them that can protect them and keep them performing at their optimum levels, uh, whether through recovery or dedicated training or um, uh, whatever techniques might be used. Uh, and, you know, interestingly, uh, we will hear a little bit about Hetafe, which uh, which was brought up by Jesus um, uh, himself, and, and and not Tal, and kind of the success that uh, that Zone Seven has seen there. So excited about that! But um, tell us just before we dive in and bring in our guests, where do you see um, Zone Seven going from here? What do you think the ceiling is for them? So, I mean, I think at the moment they've got some really good initial case studies. Getafe obviously being an ex a big example, but also testing with a number of clubs as well. I think, you know, part of the progress is going to be seeing those turning into long-term clients. And then you do get to a bit where, you know, especially within the teams, performance directors and others look at other clubs and say, well, if they've got that, we want it too. Mm -hmm. And I think you're going to start to see that uh, beginning to develop. Um, and so I think, you know, you don't want to be the performance director that doesn't have this and then starts getting loads of injuries. Mm. Um, so I think there's a real potential for them, for them to get more clients within the uh, sports space at the elite end. But then equally, you know, Tal has talks, um, and this is where I think a lot of the, you know, driving a lot of value in the company. How do you expand that into other industries as well? That's, you know, where identifying people who would be, at risk of maybe tiredness or things like that 
and so I think that's where they've got a, a big potential too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a there's a very interesting uh, conversation between us at the end of the podcast, actually, on exactly that topic, kind of how uh, the the greatest sum of data on human performance is actually within the sports industry, uh, but how that can be applied to the wider population and what learnings can be taken from elite athlete management into uh, optimizing human performance at other levels. And I found that really, really fascinating to speak with Tala and Jesus about that. But Charlie, thank you for coming on board and giving us uh, that introduction. We'll let you get back to whatever it is that you do on a normal basis. And uh, we'll bring in our guests, uh, Tal Brown and Jesus Perez. Jesus, hello. I hear you're dialing in from Barcelona today. Uh, great to have you on board and welcome to the Sports Loft Podcast. Hello, Danny. Um, I'm very well, thank you. Um, and first of all, I want to to, to say thank you to, for the invitation to to participate in uh, this event. Um, um, we are doing well at the moment due to the circumstances around around the world. So here in Spain, in Barcelona, uh, things are um, you know doing um, quite well. I would say you know uh, they are changing uh, some rules as uh, every everyone else around around the world. But I can't complain. So I'm in a quiet uh, area, and uh, so far. Uh, we can enjoy a little bit of family and the weather as well, so uh, doing well. Good. Well, it's it's sunny but cold here in London, so I'm sure you're enjoying something better over there in uh, in southern <laughs> Spain. Yeah. Um, and Tal, uh, Tal is is a founder and CEO of Zone Seven, the leading AI sports technology in uh, sports performance and elite athlete performance. Uh, Tal is working with some uh, great teams in North America and also branching out into Europe. And he is joining us from Palo Alto in California, where I'm assuming it is equally sunny and wonderful. Tal, welcome to the Sports Stuff Podcast. Hey, Yami, thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity to be part of this. Um, yeah, California is uh, typically good weather right now. Um, looks like we've got the, um, fortunately, the, the fires out of the way, at least where I am. Um, and excited to do this. Uh, yeah, so Zone 7 is a startup. Uh, we've been active for a couple of years. Uh, we focus on interpreting data um, and using algorithms to understand risk and performance in a way that is, uh, is unique uh, by contextualizing information uh, across the entire industry. So not just about visualizing uh, one team's data, but actually going really, really deep and wide and understanding um, what happened to many, many other athletes, like the ones we're trying to track for a client. Fantastic. Well, I, I'm very pleased to have you both here today because what we're going to be talking about is the use of data and technology in elite athlete performance. And, and you both have excellent prisms on that. I, the, I guess the first question that I really want to ask is, what is the role of data in elite sports? And that goes across a variety of different topics, right? You're talking about um, tactical decisions, you're talking about uh, health management, uh, you're talking about um, on the pitch performance and decisions, right? Um, and uh, it also probably varies between different, different organizations, different leagues, different sports, even different teams within the same sports, right? As to who uses data and who uses it um, uh, well and how. So my first question is, and, and, and Jesus, you can you can kick us off. What role do you see data playing in elite sports today? Well, I think data has has to be something uh, that uh, gives the vision of the reality of the, in this case, my sport is uh, the football, right? So out there will be people saying, oh, with my experience, I don't need a device to tell me uh, more or less what the player uh, is doing. So with my experience, I know the phase of the player. Yeah, those things are, are right. But at, this, at, at the same at the same time, I would say, 15 years, 50 years ago, uh, the medicine and the doctors had the one procedure, and today things are completely different. So mm -hmm. I think data data is there to help coaches to make the right decisions. You know. Uh, still thinking that uh, training is an art. So, like the chef has to do a proper dish, you know. But knowing uh, 
the latest in terms of combinations of uh, nutrition, nutritionists, uh, so and uh, nutrients or whatever. I think sport is the same. So data, thanks God, arrive to help us to understand what is going on inside and outside of of the human being. That's why it's very important for coaches to keep looking up and look at the face of the player to understand um, the person, the emotions. But I think data helps helps us, you know, to identify uh, which is the proper and the right plan of training, recovery, and diagnose, uh, um, you know, procedure. I, I would I would say uh, mm. to to try to make the the athlete better and to put the athlete in a platform to perform. I think this is uh, my, my vision. Obviously, I don't know much about other sports. Football is very complicated uh, sport, I will say, because, you know, you think up there in your head, but you, you play with your, with your feet, you know? So it's very, it's very long way to transmit uh, information. And you play over 8,000 square meter uh, court, that physicality, mentality, uh, plays a big role through the match and through the season. It's not like other sports like basketball or handball that the players dominate the space. Here, the space mm -hmm. is still dominating sometimes the game. That's why it's more important to understand what is going on every every second, um, every minute. I would say training and and match as well. So that's that's from my our vision. What's the role of the data today? And Tal, you're out there all day speaking to rights holders, trying to, um, I guess, sell them on the value, not only of data, but also of what Zone 7 is doing in terms of using artificial intelligence to interpret that and provide actionable uh, intelligence and results. How are you seeing more of a pivot towards, uh, uh, towards data and, and technology to help with, uh, with elite performance? Yeah, yeah, I'm seeing a process. I wouldn't say a pivot, um, but but think about an evolution. It's not always linear, but but more or less, you have a phase where people want to look at data and they want to look at the values, right? How many meters have this player run or how many accelerations have they done? So we look at values. And then that we kind of evolve into looking at uh, patterns for this individual, right? It's not, sometimes you realize it's not so much the value itself, you know, the number of meters, it's how that number relates to what you usually do over a seven day or 20 day or 50 day window. Um, and then another phase in that evolution is trying to contextualize this individual's patterns with patterns from a bigger bunch of, let's say, more or less similar individuals. Not to say that everybody's the same, um, but when you look at a lot of data, then information about athletes from La Liga and Premiership and MLS and sometimes other leagues, if you can find ways to connect those dots, then you've got a really big context that you can use. Um, so that's kind of what we focus on. It's, it's where organizations are in that evolution uh, or process uh, from looking at values to understanding a much bigger context. And that's where it becomes very valuable and helpful. Um, um, it's kind of like sometimes I use a metaphor of navigation, right? We used to ask uh, pilots to look at charts when they cross the ocean, literally open the chart and take a pencil and try to uh, try to uh, uh, measure the distance on the on the page. Um, and now we have GPS and suggested automated flying. It doesn't mean we don't need a pilot because it's going to rain. It's going to be a storm. Things will change. Um, but we can allow the artist to focus on the art more uh, and focus less on, I would call it uh, heavy lifting data. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm seeing, that, I'm, seeing a I'm seeing a transition and I'm seeing clearly a drift towards more of that uh, more sophisticated uh, uh, use of data. Um, mm -hmm. But the good thing is about football is that everybody's in this process. Now, some teams are very advanced. Some teams are more around collecting initial data but everybody's already bought into this concept of data will help us. Um, now, you know, let's figure out where we are in our journey. So um, help me to understand this as somebody who's like removed from the, uh, from the elite performance side of the business. When we say data, there's obviously a huge amount of things that we could, we could be considering. 
what um, Jesus, what has been most relevant or what have you really focused in on and honed in on as, as data points or information that you think is the most valuable in terms of making sure that the players are ready, making sure that they're uh, optimizing their performance? Yeah, uh, well, I, th I will split in, uh, in two kind of, of data. So I will say the data related to the team what the team produces uh, on the field in a match in a match day uh, from event team from tracking you know mm -hmm. and obviously uh, analyzing analyzing the the actions um, especially in our style because Mauricio's style is to really focus on ourselves that's yeah. why obviously we look at the at the opponent and some KBAs from from the opponent but um, the majority of our analysis is based on our uh, our way of play, our style, and how we can improve it. So that's why we are going to look and some uh, KPIs decided be before some markets that we would like to, you know, to keep consistently improving. And in the other aspect, I will say, uh, as individual as a, as a as a, an athlete, uh, as a comp uh, the team is composed by 25 uh, different athletes. We need to, to look at their response and their performance on the field. So that's why they are all the internal and external uh, KPIs that uh, daily we try to look to adjust the training. And first of all, we need to explain the players why, why we do in the morning well-being, saliva tests, um, blood tests, um, urine tests, you know, which days are those tests and why. Once they know why we are doing it and why we adjust the training session, uh, you know, I think the plan, it works because it's not to, I mean, I don't believe on to put in a chart in the dressing room, uh, the GPS uh, output after the training session because the players, they don't have, they don't have uh, the knowledge to identify why my teammate in the same position did two kilometers more in distance or I made more sprints, uh, you know, or I made more high intensity, you know, everything is a context. That's why data has to be, from our point of view, managed by coaches to help, play, to help players to improve their performance. And every player is different. Every player responds different to the same match, to the same uh, practice, you know, because they are, they are uh, human beings that are affected by multiple variables uh, in on and off of the beach you know so that's that's um, how we like to look at the data so there are the tactical data and the biological and individual data that we obviously there are a point that they merge together but it's two different kind of uh, approach and you mentioned context which which I think is really interesting in this context, uh, because it, it, sort of you can't make decisions, I assume, without all of that understanding. So, for instance, you bring up the point of, of you know, two kilometers more, right? Uh, player A ran two kilometers more than player B. But unless you know the physical makeup of player A and the physical makeup of player B and how they perform and how they respond to that, extra two kilometers or how their body responds to the exertions, you may not have the context to actually understand what that means. How much is it time? Is it, is it amount of data? How much do you need in order to start to make strong inferences and be able to get the best out of the decisions that you make? Yeah, I think the, the key factor is, is profiling the players, you know, the much data and historical you got from them, the more you can, uh, uh, the quicker you can start to 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 work and manipulate those. Uh, but first of all, you need to uh, observe what happened in the training session and what happened on the field. I would say if we have two players that in different games they run 10 kilometers, but one of the games was 41 minute ball in play and the second one was 62 minutes ball in play. It's, ob you know, it's obvious that the guy who ran 10 kilometers in 41 minutes ball, uh, ball in play, for whatever reason, probably is more intense, you know? Uh, why? Because in less time, did the same uh, amount of, of, of volume. 
So, and then we need to go into that game because maybe there are too many stop starts and maybe it helps to recover in this particular player and not in the other. So, and then we need to look at other, other KPIs, on, uh, KPIs on, 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 on the game. I would say, how was the possession? Uh, how many times we got the ball you know, on the position? Half that when we lost the ball, we can react in a short distance, you know? Or sometimes there are players from the bench that in 30 minutes in a crazy game, they achieve their values of the high speed running, you know, and only play mm -hmm. 30 minutes. But it was 30 minutes on with lots of transitions. That's why it's important before to read the data or to send the data out there is you need, you need to assess the context. How was the game? How was the training? Or how was a, a, a particular period of time? I mean, I think this has happened when the, when the teams are playing, uh, you know, in a short period of time, a lot of, of games. That is why data will help you to understand the process and then you have to make decisions if yeah, you want yeah. and then i know football is uh, under pressure and managers are under pressure and sometimes you know even knowing the data you have to make the opposite that the data is saying to you but then it's down to you and then if a player gets injured because he plays three matches in eight days so you cannot be surprised if this guy in the second match you know, if you have the proper data, they gave you the information to say, hey, listen, I need one more day to recover. And this is something, you know, Mauricio, it's, it's great. His, his main principle is the best training session is a recovery session if the player needed that, you know? So yeah, and right. for us, match day minus one sometimes is a recovery session for some players when some of the key markers are saying, you know, the player is not fully recovered. He sacrifices... Uh, uh, the game plan, uh, you know, the set pieces, practice, or whatever, the day before the match, if there are a group of players that are still on a recovery process because we came from a very intense period of, of matches, you know, and then this is key. This is key because you can apply the science into the training, you know, that I think everyone, everyone loves data. Because when someone is losing matches, use the data to justify, yeah, we lost the game, but we had 20 shots on target. You know, we lost the game, but my team ran 10, uh, you know, I'm say, I will say yeah. seven kilometers more than the opponent, but we were unlucky, you know? So everyone believes on data to get into, <laughs> into the, the, their side, you know? So that's why it's very, it's very important to, to have the context, to explain the context, and then make decisions. Absolutely. And Tal, how much, so, uh, um, how much does uh, Zone 7's uh, technology require to be able to start to really deliver, um, deliver good results? How, and how much are you getting from, you know, historical, um, historical data from the teams that you're working with? Yeah, it was a great question. So, you know, like, like Jesus said, there's, there's almost an endless, endless possibilities of bringing in data. There's the movement on the field during training, during games, you know, nutrition, uh, uh, saliva, you mentioned, uh, force plates, strength and conditioning. There's, there's down today, there's devices that you can use to understand recovery, you know, the rings and the watches. Um, we are seeing really, really good results by focusing specifically on movement data from games and training sessions, as well as profiling the medical or injury history of the player. Um, those two base layers, so kind of like your your wearable plus your medical uh, injury history, are really useful to us to create good results. Um, a lot of our teams are using that. And then the more data is available, the more context we can uh, we can add, especially around recovery, and especially around biomechanics. Um, I, 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 one of the things that we're seeing, uh, and, and Jesus, I'd, I'd love to ask you about this, is availability. I mean, there used to be a this used to be a binary metric. Right. You can play or you cannot play. You know, you're hurt or you're fine. But we are seeing a lot of uh, teams trying to look at this as a spectrum. Right. You know, you are available, but for what kind of intensity or you need to rest, but completely. Or, so. So, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts like about how how the definition of availability is changing and, and clearly how important it is for you as a KPI to look at the um, availability of the yeah. squad. For us. You know, um, is a is a key uh, factor if the player is right to compete. You know, if not, it's better not to play. 
I know there are different managers of different staff that they believe the different, you know, and they look at, uh, as you said, um, availability to, to play, but to know the level of the athlete, the real level, you know, I know the athlete always wants to play, even if they don't feel 100%, and sometimes uh, managers play uh, players not at, at their best, you know, because those those things around around the football. But for us, because our main main principle is we are a team and if a player is not ready or has a little risk to get injured or not to perform uh, in the right manner, it's better not to play. That's why we need to trust on the medical um, data, on yeah. uh, our data and our perception as well, because at the end, this is, this is an art, as, as I said uh, at the beginning. And then um, in, our, in our way of working, we have three different levels of assess assessment because I I saw the player seeing, saying three different things in a period of three minutes to three different members of the staff. It depends on the, the rank of, of, of the staff. That's why it's important to design a strategy. Yeah, I will say you are a de detective. Yeah, we are kind of, you know, so data mm. is helping you to detect those things. So for me, there are four dimensions. So it's what happened, uh, why has it happened, you know, and what will happen and try to predict and to try to prescribe something. I think th those are the, f the four dimensions. And then some things come straight away from devices, some things come straight away from um, questionnaires, so from, from tests, you know, but something is you have to, to detect, you know, when the player is saying different things to the doctor or to one of the sports science or to the system manager, is because you, are, you have a problem and yeah. you need to work. It's the yeah. same when you have a, a red flag in CKs or, or testosterone or cortisol and you are trying to, to, uh, to you open the process to, to investigate what, what's going wrong. It's the same about information. That's why um, this is key factor. And if we look for, for instance, a team like Chelsea in the last 10 or 11 years, you know, they won lots of trophies and the percentage of ability was so high, you know. Uh, I know it's difficult for, through uh, studies to know exactly what, what happened, but it called me, my, my attention, you know. Some players play so many, so many matches, you know, probably is the same. Is a is a great team with great level, but something must be there, uh, doing in a practice in a well practice, you know, to have the players with different managers, you know, in a good state. So, and this is must be the objective of every single staff and club. I would say using the technology, using using uh, companies uh, like you know like Zone Seven, uh, you know, because they can help us to understand why the past was the past, you know, and what will happen if we keep doing the same uh, bad practice. And um, yeah, this, this is one of the key areas because you can spend the millions, all the millions that you want. If the players are off the field injured, you know, it's a waste of money. And in the last, the last Premier League uh, study of the injured players, you know, it's, oh my God, it seems you know, wasting over 20, 25, 30 million pounds on wages, you know? So something has to change. Yeah. I know yeah. that uh, you cannot change the future, you cannot change the amount of, of matches, you know? But I think when you lose, when you lose year after year, 10, 15, 20, 25 million pounds, and you are not performing because sometimes teams, teams with less, less um, potential, they are overperforming, and then there are, at the end of the journey, there are the bill, you know, because you get injured or, uh, you know, or players, you know, of a work. But um, when you have potential, you don't perform and you get injured. This is, you have to make the question, why? Hmm. You, you, raise, you raise a very interesting point and something that I always uh, question and wonder myself about how the industry performs and works because you know you have a wage bill of hundreds of millions but then maybe teams don't spend a million or two million in order to protect that right to ensure against it but that's a very human element right so you said everybody loves data 
But in this context, does everybody love data? Is there, you know, I have in my mind the image of a grizzled, you know, football manager in his sheepskin coat and everything who goes, don't bother me with all that data. You know, I'm a football guy. I know, I know what I'm doing. But where, where is the industry in that context in terms of embracing the use of data and understanding how valuable it can be uh, for, 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 for tactics and for performance? Well, okay. I think I think the, from from my 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 position, um, I need to understand how how does my my manager feel uh, in terms of uh, the game, the the style he wants to play, and then I have to to help him to design the best process to improve the players first, the team second, you know, and recover the players and the team from those efforts, because at the end of the day, so the better you, you get in your physical and mental level, the quicker you will recover. So uh, this is something I explained to the players. So you don't train to perform well. So you train to help your quality to play, because sometimes the, match, the, uh, the, the game demands a lot, and sometimes you win easy, it uh, doesn't demand uh, much. So, you, but the quicker you recover from the match, the better player you are, you know, and that's why you need to train properly. You need to train, uh, I wouldn't say hard. I would, I would say you need to, to, to train smart. And when there are a window to train, you have to train. When the window is to recover, you have to recover, but you have to do those things consistently. And that's, that's the way uh, everyone can use the data. Because uh, if, how do we know the level of hydration if we don't do a test. Yeah, looking at the urine, but this is not, <laughs> this is not accurate. How do we need if the, the, the muscular uh, damage is huge after one game in one player if, you, if we don't do a blood test? How do we know the cortisol, testosterone, or some in, inflammatory markers if we don't do a, a saliva, test, saliva test? You know, I'm not saying everything comes from the vices. Some things come from you know, from, from tests that are out there for the general, the general population, but it's adapted to the, to the athletes. And how you are not gonna, gonna use it? If you tell the manager, the player is ill, the players don't play. So it's, a, it's not an illness when a player has a, a huge amount of CK, you know, but it's a responsibility to the manager, for the manager to know that the risk of the player to get injured and to miss the player for two months is huge. So why not rest the player for 10 days or rest the player for three days or modify the training session for two, three days, you know, and then the player goes on. So that's why I think everyone uh, wants data, but I think the staff has to help uh, the managers to digest why the data is important on training and especially on matches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let, and, go let, ahead, Tom. Let me jump in for a minute. I think, I think uh, Jesus, you spoke, you know, you touched on the point exactly. It's, it's people want data, but sometimes they're afraid of it because it feels like data can tell you a very binary decision. Don't play, take a 10 day break, three day break. But now, you know, and you're saying it, it's great to hear you say this. We can use the data to create granular limits, right? It's not about nothing today. It's about 42 minutes instead of 85 or um, controlling specific things like the distances or, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think one of the hardest things that we're seeing is that, you know, Jesus, you speak about cortisol and match data and GPS data and saliva, um, sorry, and the hydration. Those are very different streams of data. You know, the, the, the ability of a human being, well-trained as they may be, to look at one dashboard or one chart with all this data and make a decision it's a it's truly it's truly an art that is driven by a lot of expertise and experience um and and sometimes we are seeing this uh, uh work well in a staff but when you have to take it up and have a meaningful conversation it becomes it becomes difficult um and you clearly have a phenomenal relationship uh in in your extended staff which is great um but um but many, many cases where we see that, that, that those are difficult conversations, right? Because people can look from the outside and say, 
well, you know, but but you know, but the cortisol isn't in the, in the isn't in the red zone, or the other thing isn't in the red zone, so we'll be okay. So, I think the human aspect of having a meaningful debate, driven by uh, data you can interpret, is so important. Uh, selfishly, I'm just curious how how that relationships work on your end, um, and how that how that debate works, because it's not it's not uh, it's it's uh, there's always more people with more opinions. Yeah, I think um, we are very lucky that um, Mauricio is a guy who does believe on on those uh, KPIs that I, I mentioned it, uh, before. Because first of all, as a player, he had the experience, um, you know, to to understand why they were doing in Paris Saint Germain many many years ago a project, you know, um, before during and after the match on training sessions as well. And it's something we took from, from his experience and also using some um, external stuff from, from um, Paris uh, City as well, um, you know. But as I said before, it's not only everything just data, you know. So, but he's the manager who wants to know what is going on in the person. So in the human being, because before, you know, if I would say if the cortisol is is very high for two weeks in a on a row, you know, you need to make the question why. You need to discover, and sometimes it's very easy. It's just it's just because the player needs a conversation with the manager. I remember one case in Espanol that uh, we made consecutive um, saliva tests, and it was a player under huge stress we, we we could see on the charts and we could see it on um, on the questionnaires and then Mauricio decides I need a chat with this guy you know and after 30 minutes the player said to to Mauricio listen Mauricio I don't understand why you keep playing me so I'm making mistake after mistake and you keep giving me um, the confidence and I am starting every single match you know and that was the case was was that was why the player was so under stress. He, the player felt responsible for his bad performances, you know. And the way to show it was he was under stress. Cortisol was very high. Questionnaire was showing us, you know, a red flag. And he said, and after that conversation, the player felt relief. And the, because the manager said, listen, it was uh, his name was um, Javi. Mr. Javi, you play because you deserve to play. You can make mistakes like I do mistakes and your teammates do mistakes. That's why you are, are starting every match. And the players felt relieved, you know? And that was the consequence. It wasn't because the player didn't sleep or wasn't because the player were out every night or wasn't because the player didn't train properly. It was because it was a psychological situation. That's why data helped us to discover where was the problem, you know? And I, I explained the situation with this, this guy, like sometimes we discover that there are players that they cannot sleep until 2 a.m., you know, but those guys, they need to sleep until 10 a.m., but the training session, you have to report at 9 a.m., and then you don't know which is the cycle of sleep of the player. You don't know why there are players that perform better in the morning, and there are athletes that they are performing better in the afternoon, and sometimes there are players that are performing very well in evenings, because everyone everyone has a different cycle of of a sleep, you know, um, and that's why we need to know. And how do we know if we don't uh, apply apply the data? And, me, and where it, where are we where are we with with players, or where are the players in all of this? This is this is fascinating to me. You, 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 um, uh, LeBron James, for example, uh, in the NBA, thirty five years old, still you know, best basketball player on the planet, spends a million dollars on his body. He has the hyperbaric chamber that he sleeps in. You know, he, yeah. he takes he takes all of these things very, very seriously. Meticulous training routines, meticulous eating. Um, and the proof is in the pudding. You know, 35 years old, he, you know, a lot of people would say he shouldn't be doing what he's doing, but he is performing at that, at that level. That is, is that uh, an exception to the rule? Uh, are, are players kind of embracing this and becoming more driven to understand themselves and their bodies and, 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 and perform? Or is it something that still needs to come from the top, from the, from the manager to say, you're doing this because 
ABC? Well, I would say in most of disciplines or in all sports, this is very, very common already today because they are competing and they are alone. And if they don't look after their body, it's impossible to compete. But mm -hmm. on team sports, sometimes, especially in football, I think there are long, long journey to improve, long way, big gap, you know, to improve. There are lots of players that they look after themselves uh, properly, but not as much as they, they, they should. And probably because some of them, they don't know. And because some of the clubs, they don't pay attention, you know, still to those things, you know. And um, the players today, they know about GPS, they know about nutrition, they know. But there are lots, lots of things they can do for themselves, you know. And their performance, they will be much, much better and much longer because their career, they will, you know, they, they can extend in football, like in some of the other sports, if you look after yourself, we are talking about people with great talent, you know? Mm. So it's a shame why some of them, they just, they, they get their pick one year, two years, and then disappear, you know? And they disappear sometimes because, because those things, because uh, they don't use properly what the science or what, uh, you know, the market can offer to, to them to improve their performances. Mm. And Tal, how, how can technology um, help? How can artificial intelligence come in and sort of crunch these numbers and, and, and deliver great results and actionable, actionable science? Where, where, where is this going? Okay, well, I, um, you know, clearly I'm biased towards my journey, but I think that there's um, th this process of evolving inside the volume of data we can collect and the ways we can contextualize it. I think we're on a journey and, you know, I don't think we're headed towards uh, a robot replacing Jesus <laughs> or, you know, a Google cloud replacing a physical uh, a performance expert in a team. That's not going to happen. You have to talk to players. You have to feel them. You have a conversation with the staff. Some data needs interpretation by a human. Nothing we can do will change that. Um, so I don't think we're headed towards that, but I think that generally speaking, we can make life easier. We are doing that already. So, you know, how do we contextualize cortisol levels with sleep, with uh, GPS match data? You know, that's a tough question. Can we completely alleviate the human part of it? No, but can we definitely find ways to create repeatable insights that can be trusted to facilitate some parts of this? I think that we can definitely do that. Um, so, so I think we're going there and I think, you know, there's, there's the Moneyball uh, quote where the end of the movie, um, the owner says to Brad Pitt, um, Billy Bean, um, the first guy in the door, it always gets bloody, you know, it's, it's always hard. I think we're not quite first right now because this has been doing, going for a long time. Um, and more and more bigger teams are doing this, but as a, as an industry, in general, we're still we're still uh, um, going through this process of people are changing how they're looking at this problem. Um, so I think that um, the future is ways to find specific limits to what people can do every day. And sometimes you can go full power. Sometimes you can need rest. But most of the time. There is a very specific uh, uh, um, optimal range for you in your activities today, right? Could be as tactical as uh, meter sprinting. It could be something a little bit more broad. Right now, it's more around movement data. But over time, it's going to become uh, these kind of limits or ranges are going to influence a lot of stuff. It's going to influence rest and recovery and treatment and uh, weight room work. Um, so over time, the artists are going to have more tools in their arsenal to be effective. And the nice thing is that this has the potential to impact a lot of players, not just LeBron James and, you know, the top 100 or 1,000 elite athletes in the world, but also um, also uh, a bigger audience, right? You've got 100,000 people out there in professional sports, and then you've got millions of people active at work in physical environments. Um, that's on the individual, the individual track. Another thing that I think the future is going to is the team is important, right? The team is important. The team's objectives are important. And when you look at 
this as a binary question, train or not train, full power or rest, the team has an impact. Five guys in a squad not playing or even three not playing during three days is a big impact on the team. So we can also help the team by keeping players active with limited uh, ranges. So the team also has a big benefit on this culturally in the sense of getting players together. Um, and so I, I think that's where we're headed. We're heading to some way to suggest effective, like, like Jesus said, smart ways, effective ways to manage every individual's limits uh, and, and understand them and manage them. And I think that's where we're headed. Um, and that has a benefit for the individual, longer careers, of course, and all that better contracts, but also for the team. Um, um, you know, football is one of the nice things about football is that, and this is from my perspective, looking at other sports, especially in North America, is that, you know, players are not necessarily compensated by playing a full game. You know, you can have a, you can have a good game, 65 minutes, and it's a good thing. Um, in, you know, other sports like NBA, all your averages are calculated on a game-to-game -game basis. So it, it, it's actually counterproductive to you as an individual to have only two quarters in a game, in a basketball game, because your averages are going to be hurt. So football actually has more flexibility around that. Uh, you know, it's not a bad thing to have different amount of minutes uh, game by game, mm. depending on what you need. Um, so, yeah, so I think slowly we are in a journey towards that kind of future. So so let me put you both on the spot then and, and name names, please. Who... Who is doing this really well right now? Who is kind of out in front, doing the uh, uh, leading leading the way in terms of having um, great teams, investing in uh, in the uh, uh, in the organization to support the data collection, management, and interpretation? Who, who whom have you seen and been like, yeah, these guys, these these guys are good, Jesus? Other than other than of course Kazus and and uh, and his team at Tottenham at the time. Yeah, I mean sometimes it's difficult to to assess um, because obviously you will go to the big guns, you know, because they are the guys with uh, uh, big uh, budgets. But in general, um, I would say from outside or what the people uh, is giving me in terms of information, I would say Liverpool looks like they are doing and driving data uh, very well, you know, and making uh, right and decisions with common sense from outside. I don't know. In, and then if we look uh, in detail, maybe they would say no, but they have these injuries or the others. Yeah, but uh, looking at, at, at the team year after year, it looks like, you know, they are being curious. Uh, they are using data uh, on and off of the field. And then um, I know Barcelona created a big department, but I don't know if the big department is, you know, is they are using it only in the academy or just they are selling selling the, the product through their own, um, let's say, university. Uh, you never know. So probably Tal knows more about me because, you know, he's uh, every day in contact with companies and clubs and he, he, he has the knowledge to, to assess um, you know, I would say in terms of players, it's easy for me to identify which players, yes or yes, they are using uh, that kind of, of, of protocol, you know, but in terms of teams, it's more difficult because sometimes uh, it's not only how much you invest on those departments, is the skills on the staff to using it, you know, yeah. this, is, this is key. You know, you can have a great platform, you can have a great data, but then your medical team, for for instance, are missing some qualities. You know, if uh, I don't want to criticize anyone or I don't want to give any 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 wrong uh, image, but if you are missing uh, osteopaths or you are missing people with uh, manual therapies, you know, uh, you are missing people, good doctors to identify clearly um, the problem. Doesn't matter. You got the image, you got the data, but you cannot, you can't make an impact. You know, you you, you can't fix it. You know, it's not even even resting the player is not just the solution, because uh, when we say, and I probably Tal will will agree with me, when we say rest, it's not go home and do nothing. Yeah. When we say yeah. rest, it's more 
it, we Netflix, modify yeah. the training. We modify the training, you know? If we have a player with um, cartilage problems, it's, it's obvious this player has to reduce the number of impacts. So maybe you have to, to work with, uh, um, with flow restrictions, you know? And the, play, the other players are working on the field. No, basically, your, your asset, your player, can do impacts on match day plus, plus two, okay? So you have to identify or sell the players, you know, or modify the training session. But you know, can say, no, we are a team, we, everyone does the same. Okay, it's, I, I think in high performance has to change the mentality and we need to look at uh, players like individuals and then we need to make the team to play uh, the game. But everyone is different. Everyone responds in a different way. Mm. It's interesting, of course, that, that Liverpool have the ownership group with Fenway, Fenway Sports Group, so they, they may be taking some of the practices from North America. Tal, give us, give us, give us your interpretation of who's, who's doing this really well across the board, any yeah, team, yeah, any yeah. sport. So, so, yeah, I mean, I'll talk about football and I'll also talk a little bit about other stuff. I think, I think there's two, two profiles we can look at. One is the, the smaller, uh, overachieving team that doesn't have a very big budget um, but is able to get a lot from their players um, and to leverage a lot of data. I think not knowing anything internal about how they do this, but the Wolves are very, very um, well known for this. They've got very good availability metrics for years in, uh, consecutively. You know, and, and just to note this, being able to do this consecutively or consistently is quite rare. It depends on a strong staff staying for a while, creating a culture in the organization that allows you to do this again because sometimes you have a staff that leaves and then something kind of like changes dramatically then the next staff that comes in kind of have to rebuild from zero so the wolves are great um i think from our perspective as a client uh, uh from la liga they've had uh you know i would say they came up from second division i think they have the the third or fourth lowest budget in the league, but they've been able to overperform dramatically. And uh, and data is a big part of that. And the, the, the innovation culture, you know, in that staff is actually a huge part of that as well, in my mind. Um, and then you have the, you know, like, like Jesus said, the Liverpools. Uh, so, I mean, again, I'm not familiar with Liverpool, but one example I'd like to bring up is, uh, is the Toronto uh, ownership group. Where they own the, the same the same group of uh, uh, the same management group uh, manages the Raptors, who are amazing. You know um, mm -hmm. uh, what they did uh, with the championship last season. Um, you've got the Toronto Football Club and you've got the Maple Leafs. And yep. this is this is to me that you know and just to be transparent, they, they you know they are a partner of ours, but it's a way for them to be able to create an innovative technology-driven culture across multiple franchises. Um, and, uh, and and like the, the back office, you know, the headquarters is able to deploy innovation uh, very, very effectively. Um, so, you know, we've had the fortune to, to, to be part of their innovation program and to partner. And, you know, I'm seeing, it's almost like a tech thinking organization, right? You know, like tools for product, product, ma for project management and tools for data analysis. This is a real tech environment, which is phenomenal, and uh, and, and they're getting results, right? You know, uh, Toronto FC uh, did really well and are still doing that, and of course the Raptors. So, so those are for me like the I would say the 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 bright lights in the industry. Uh, consistent results for over for smaller teams and and the, the big clubs who can actually execute innovation well. And yeah, I, I will sure. agree. I will agree with with yeah. Tal. Sorry, because uh, I know very well uh, Hetafe. I was looking at the at the Premier League, but uh, you know I'm 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 praying of uh, having the sports science, and I know very well the manager as well. And it's, it's just as Tal said, it's just amazing. Um, you know what they did from uh, because they took over the Hetafe. The season they got promoted to La Liga, they were in the bottom three. At the same year, they got, you know, promotion to the Liga and then, uh, you know, they play in Europe and the smaller budget in, in, uh, in La Liga. And the most important, is, as Charles said, you know, is uh, the level of performance uh, week in, week out of the same players. So you have to manage amazingly, you know, um, your process of training, recovery and match analysis to, 
to be able to do it is not just uh, for a few months, it's, as we said before, to extend those performances, you know, consistently during uh, over a, period, a long period of time. So it's just, just amazing. And Jesus, is this when you talk about the, the performances of players on another team, is that something that you would track as well? Um, or is that just from having spent so long and sort of being able to recognize it uh, sort of visually? Yeah. So if we are capable to sign the player that uh, fits our necessities, you need to try to look uh, as much um, data and KPIs possible from the other context. And then you need to create and imagine and predict. That's why companies like uh, Zone 7 can help, you know, to, to try to predict what can happen if the environment mm. is similar or different. Um, that's why uh, the players, you can improve players, but players by themselves, they can go backwards. So that's why you need to, to, to analyze what the player did today and to analyze the context. So for instance, if, a, if you can access to the physical data of a player playing in uh, culture, you know, you need to assess how is the culture. So, you know, because there are big differences in between the five top leagues, you know, today. So uh, the Spanish league is the, you know, I would say the lowest league today. So the Premier League is more quicker. Uh, there are more actions. There are more goals, but uh, in uh, Bundesliga, there are more transitions. So for a physical aspect, you know, it's uh, affected by that kind of game. In culture, in the last two years, uh, we can appreciate uh, different trend of uh, styles. That's why they score and concede a lot of goals. So, okay, you need to analyze the context. Why this player perform in this team in that way? Try to understand the player, and then you need to put the player in your context and say, okay, if a player didn't run play uh, for Barcelona, it's difficult they will run uh, on your team. You know, it can, it can apply uh, the equality, but so you need to assess the player is a natural uh, athlete and uh, they will behave uh, the way they feel, you know, if they are in a normal state, if they are in a bad state, they can't, they cannot perform, you know, that's why it's very important to look, you know, and the defensive uh, production, offensive production, physical outputs, you know, of course, all the, all the information you can get from uh, the player off the field, you know, but also to know from where the player is from Africa, is from America, is from uh, uh, Middle East, is from, you know, because those players, those populations, they, their evolution is completely different in a different environment. And sometimes we are the problem. They are not the problem. It's because we, we can understand why a different kind of people can settle in a different environment, you know? That's why mm. success, success today is a big part of knowledge. And how do we know if, if we don't use the data, we don't use the information that providers can give us today? So. You know, the, I, I know a lot of uh, colleagues that they say, no, I don't need any platform. I don't need, I don't need anything. I have my experience and I know how to read the data. After 25 years as a professional, I don't have a clue how to manage thousand or hundred of KPIs that can help me to, to improve my process. And I'm still looking every day for solutions that can help me, you know, to correlate why this data is today in that level and tomorrow is in the other, you know, and why this one affected the other, you know, I'm not capable mm -hmm. to, to, to do it. So that's why I do respect so much um, every single uh, company that is, is out there to help us to, to perform better. Fantastic. And, and final question for, for both of you. Um, I come from motorsports where one of the big, uh, one of the big talking points is from, from track to road. So the evolution of technology how do you see the evolution of data, uh, applied sports science, uh, trickling down from elite athletes to, to normal people? And I ask because at the age of 42, I'm fully planning on making a comeback and playing in the Premier League very soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, 
I can I can comment a bit about uh, about about my thoughts. I think that um, I think we are. I mean, when I'm asked by investors here in Silicon Valley, what, why are you, why are you in sports? It's not a very big market. You know, nobody is as big as Fortune 500 companies. Um, then my answer is this: If you want to create technology for human performance, you need data about human performance. And going back two, three, four years, the only the only industry that had this kind of data at scale consistently is sports. So. It really is the only place you can start with. I don't think that to be create an effective, uh, I don't know, virtual assistant coach for runners, for forty uh, four year old Premier League players, Yanni. Uh, <laughs> I think I think you have to start where the data is available at scale consistently. So so that's why it makes sense to start this in this journey. Now, where this takes us. I think there's two main paths. Um, of course, there is a way to democratize. Um, this kind of thinking into the masses, you know, not so much. I mean, let's talk about runners, right? You have you know, hundreds of millions of people running every day, whether it's a 5K or 10K or a marathon. And many of these cases, you are self-regulating your effort and your rest in a way that is sometimes not effective. You know, if you're a 44-year-old runner uh, with not a lot of experience, you're not very well prepared to self-regulate. Should I do 10K today or 12? Should I go fast or slow? Should I take breaks or not? So that is one direction this can go to, right? This um, Apple Watch or Garmin or Siri or whatever uh, virtual coach for you. Um, I think that's really interesting. But what actually we are working on is to doing this for high-performing individuals outside of sports at work where your employer and you want to perform best mentally, physically for a long time. So, you know, we're doing things with doctors uh, around fatigue for medical staff and uh, ER staff. Mm. We're doing some work with the military and some high-end industrial clients. So for us, I think a lot of this is about high-performing individuals, helping them regulate rest, recovery, and, and, and effort around where they are at risk, which could be work, but it could also be sports. Um, and I think that's that's where we're going because ultimately, the incident, the binary incident of being hurt or being uh, exhausted or breaking down, is something we all want to avoid. So the big thing is to do that, and then on top of that, you can layer optimizations to uh, to do other things. Well, you know, I think Jesus's story, which which um, is, is was my favorite thing of this whole podcast about the player who was so nervous about his own performance that that he was having high cortisol, really speaks to that as a uh, as a great avenue, right? If you can, um, thinking about it from a management position, you know, if you can speak to your team and know how they're performing and how they're doing and try to keep them um as as positive as possible in order to be able to, to to be performing at their at their absolute peak whether it is physical or mental uh is something that would be invaluable i think and uh and something that would be really interesting um gentlemen any any closing comments that uh, that you want to make before we sign off and thank our listeners for joining us well i would say yeah, yeah. I, w I would like to say that um, you know, so data is out there to help to help us to 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 improve, and then if we improve, we are close to to win. But as well in the normal population, so the more we know in the high performance level, the more we can translate, you know, to change the culture of the normal population. Uh, for me, the mistake that um, non-professional athletes they try to replicate what the professionals are doing. You know, because the professional is 24-7 just for their sport. So they train, they rest, they eat, they have, um, you know, everything around to try to perform. Whereas there are people that try to replicate those things and they have to go to work. And sometimes, you know, so sports become the first thing and then they go to, to work and they underperform in their, in their, their jobs. And at the end, they... The end of the road is of, the, of this situation is uh, illness, depression. I saw a lot of people that because they are doing marathons or triathlons or, or whatever, and they are not professional. That's why data has to help these people to understand that professionalism is one thing, you know, 
sport uh, uh, for health is completely different way, but data and technology has, has to help. And then finally for me is that data and coaches has to be the perfect marriage. I'm watching an interesting um, documentary. I love uh, motor racing as well. You know, an interesting uh, docu documentary in Amazon about uh, Alonso. And uh, how amazing is in a sport where everything is calculated. So, but at the same time, how important uh, the human being factor is that to win or to detect problems. And in the 500 miles on Indianapolis, I think they had a problem in the car. You know, and in the last the last try to, to to get into the race, and it was a confusion in between inches and millimeters. You know, mm. so everything was okay. calculated, but one of the of the staff uh, confused. You know, the metrics. You know, and Alonso missed the opportunity. And how with all your technology, always is the the human uh, factor always won't be there. That's why it's important. So we we the data. Uh, arrive here to help us and to make us better but always we have to be uh, prepared to perform in our best as well you know to 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 multiply the the, the effect of the data absolutely tal um you know this has been a phenomenal conversation uh so i'm uh i'm just grateful for the opportunity i want to thank uh jesus for sharing his insights and his experience and uh yeah, absolutely great. And I wish all our listeners uh, uh, a successful season for their favorite team. Absolutely. Well, thank you both very much for joining us on the Sports Loft podcast. I uh, have certainly learned a lot today and I'm prepared to go out there and train like a pro with the right data. So um, <laughs> if you like today's uh, discussion, please uh, click below and subscribe. Follow us for more great conversations about the intersection of tech and sports. And with that, we sign off and say thank you very much for joining us. Tal, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Goodbye, everyone. Yeah, more than welcome. Bye-bye.